Yo, yo, what is up? What is poppin'? And welcome back to another episode of the Modern Mastery Podcast, where we help you build yourself, build your business, and join the new 1%. Today, I have on Sean Anthony, who is a digital product creator, email marketer, and consultant. In this episode, we discuss how Sean lost $100,000 while building a brand, how he took advantage of the golden era of drop shipping, how to land your first client as a freelancer, and the steps you need to take to build a profitable online business. Before we get into it, let's talk about Modern Mastery HQ. MMHQ is a tight-knit community of people that want a streamlined way to starting and growing an online business so you can monetize the things that you love learning about in your free time, create more free time for yourself, and work from anywhere in the world. Building a business is a necessary step to self-actualization. It gives you the freedom and resources like money to further pursue your purpose and fuel your development. That's the second part of MMHQ is personal development. In the world of entrepreneurship, this is a must. You don't have a boss telling you everything you need to do. You need to become self-sufficient. You need to master your mind, body, and spirit. We help you do all of these things through trainings, articles, step-by-step action plans to implement the advice from those, and live calls for personalized help because your situation is unique. So if you want to steal our proven processes, strategies, and systems for becoming a sovereign individual, go to join.modernmastery.co and join today. And if you want to skip all of the do-it-yourself stuff, and join an intensive six-month program that guarantees business and personal success, we have the mastery program as well. And you can apply to that at join.modernmastery.co slash program. And links to both of those will be in the show notes. Now, last but not least, I have a few favors to ask that cost a whopping $0. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe or follow. It's one button click away, and it, it truly helps support the growth of this podcast. And then you can leave a rating letting us know what you thought. You can tag us at Modern Mastery on Twitter or at Modern Mastery HQ on Instagram or tag Joey or I with a link to this episode and some kind words. If you do all three, send us a DM and we'll have something special for you in return. So without further ado, let's dive right into this episode of the Modern Mastery podcast. We're live. What's up, Sean Anthony, my man? It's good to have you on. It's good to finally see you, not in a YouTube video, face to face, have a talk with you. So, welcome, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Where are you at, by the way? I don't think we ever talked about that. Yeah. So, I've lived in Seattle the last 10 years or so. Um, so, West Coast. I'm originally from Hawaii went to college up here and then just ended up staying after. Nice. <laughs> Seattle just revived. I'm coming up. Oh, maybe we can meet, dude. I'm, I'm coming to Seattle on Friday. My birthday's Friday. We're heading up there for the weekend. So how long are you here for? Cause I actually head back on Saturday to Hawaii for my wedding. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We, we head back Monday. So uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll talk. We may be able to work something out, but, uh, why don't you let's, let's introduce yourself, right? Where did, this could go a lot of different ways. Let, let's talk about what you do because I find it very interesting. I mean, I, I know you have, would you call it an agency? You have an agency, you have digital products, you have YouTube, Twitter, all this stuff. What do you do? Yeah, so it started off as an agency. I was doing basically done for you outbound prospecting, LinkedIn, cold email for uh, businesses mainly in the SaaS space. And over the years, that started in 2017, over the years, started moving more towards email marketing and just writing for people's lists. And now I just work with very few clients and they're mainly in the info product consulting coaching space. And I just help them get more clients through through email and live chat. So I guess you could call it an agency. It's, I look at it more like just like a service or a consulting gig. But um, yeah, that's kind of what I do now. And then I have educational products on the side where I basically teach what I learn on the services and consulting side to other people who are coming up as well. Yeah, I like that. That's a that's a general model. That's sweet. And 
in terms of the digital products, when did you start doing those? Because I, I'm, I'm very curious about this. We could go pretty far with this, but like both you and I, we had some form of consulting freelance agency, whatever. And then we took our teachings and productized them. And that opened up room to sell to more of a beginner market, right? A larger market and build an audience and all of that good stuff. But the, the question keeps coming to mind with all of these beginners, they all want to go into freelancing and other things and eventually get into digital products. That's just like the natural progression of things. Is there a way people can start out in digital products first? And would you consider that smart? Um, it really depends. Like if you, if you're a hobbyist or you're good in something that's maybe not teaching people making money, if you haven't made money yourself, it doesn't make sense to create <laughs> something around that. Right. Um, like I've seen guys who are really good at things like jujitsu and golf who create digital products mm -hmm. or information products around that. I think that's, that's great. I think the main thing is you you have some substance behind what you teach where you've done it before and you're basically I explain it like a third grader teaching a second grader. So, you know, every grade you learn something else, you're able to teach something to somebody who's behind you. So as long as you have that substance or something that you can teach to someone who's been in your shoes maybe a year or two years ago, I think that's okay. Um, mm -hmm. For people that are coming out and, you know, maybe having like their first good month and then going full on into digital products, I don't think that makes as much sense. But um, as long as you have some experience and something to teach uh, other people, I think it makes sense once you have that experience. Mm. Yeah, I like that take. I'm in the similar mindset. Like, I see a lot of people growing an audience, but really not having a way to monetize it. And a lot of them that I see are the ones that are like, it's overwhelmingly self-improvement based, especially on Twitter, the people just in my circle. And it, it seems like there's only a few ways to monetize, right? It's some branch of performance consulting or performance coaching or creating a digital product on like habits or some specific thing there, but they'd never really see much success with it. And from Daniel Vasallo, he considers it like, I, it's not an asymmetric bet. It's a, it's, it's something where you like plant seed, you plant multiple seeds, trial and error, and eventually one takes off. But I don't really like that because I feel like there's a way to make one specific topic work. Like at least from the get go or after a few iterations, is there any advice you'd give to these people that aren't in the make money online niche where it's kind of easy to sell or it's easier to sell and see what other people are doing and kind of uh, refer back to that? How, how would you go back about that? I'm curious. Yeah. So my first digital product wasn't actually to like the make money online audience. Mm. Um, it was a, it was called beast mode prospecting. This was in 2018, 2019. Um, and it was basically teaching other B2B business owners, the system that we used to generate leads using cold email and LinkedIn. So we were selling to other established business owners and we were using that as kind of uh, a lead generator. So we would sell it for a certain price, but then a certain amount of those people wanted to hire us instead to do it for them, right? Because they didn't have the time or resources to, to go and do it themselves. Um, so I think that can work. Like Daniel Vasallo's case, he used to work, from what I understand, at Amazon. He was making quite a bit of money there. His first few posts that he used to grow his audience were about how he quit his job and his experience there. And his first successful digital product was basically around how he grew his Twitter audience. So he was still right. teaching on something that he had done, right? He wasn't teaching on how to grow a Twitter audience and he had like 500 followers. He had 50,000 at that point. So yeah. he was still teaching on something that he had done. Um, even if it wasn't in the make money online niche, or at least not the way he positioned it, he had still grown his audience and was teaching on that. So people who are growing an audience that maybe they offer a service or freelancing, which I think is the best place to start. Um, one way that you could probably monetize that by building an audience is maybe creating some kind of playbook on how you do your certain service, how you get a result with your service and using that as a way to get clients for your service. And eventually you can start teaching people who are just starting from scratch. Um, that's the way that I think about it. That's the way that I've done it. Um, just 
teaching what you know and what you've done. And if, if you're on the services side, you can use that as a way to get clients. If you're more experienced and you've done the whole business model, you can teach that as a whole business model once you have you know a few years down in the track record. Nice. I like that a lot. Eventually, I'm going to create a product on personal branding just because it's like I've created a Twitter product, um, created kind of like a lead gen product and then a web design product. And I think personal branding's next. I just really enjoy that. Like, have you noticed, have you started to notice like the, that natural progression of like, you've created this product, you've done this service, you've created another product. And over time, like things just get more and more refined and kind of vague. Like when they're in my head, it's like, it's, it's kind of vague now. It's hard to teach. It's just like, you just have to do it. You have to get experience and then eventually you can do it. So my, my goal now is like, okay, how can I like systemize and structure all of this in a way that one I can follow and kind of shows how I've done things and then pass that on to others in a teachable way. I don't know if there's a question there, but have you noticed that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, creative types, we have a lot of ideas, right? And we have a lot of things that we're trying out and things that we learn and things that we become good at. Um, I have that problem as well where I can create, I, I could spend every day just creating products and I'd be really happy um, around all these different topics. I found the most success though, like especially recently, just focusing in on a certain area like email marketing and info products, digital products. That's where I, I have a lot of my content and products are based around now, but I could teach about a lot of different things, right? Growing a YouTube channel, um, starting to grow on Twitter. I don't have a big audience there, but I can probably create a product around that too. Um, growing a Facebook group. So there's so many different things that I can teach around. Um, and I just look at it now, what do I want to focus on and what I want people to know me for. And so now I'm focusing more on the email marketing side, uh, the copywriting stuff, and info products, digital products, and that's where I'm putting my focus. So there's things outside of that I can teach. There's ideas that I have every day for new products, but I just have to ask myself if it fits in line for what I want to keep growing towards and what I want to be known for. Mm. So what is the end goal with all of that? Why, what's When you're known for email marketing, digital products, copywriting, that kind of stuff, what's the end goal? So, you know, I don't really have a five-year, 10-year plan. Um, I usually figure things out year by year. Uh, right now, I'm working on a SaaS. It's, it's like an email-related SaaS. And I want to have... The, the problem with my businesses now is they're all cash flow businesses. I can't really sell my um, services consulting business. I can't really sell my digital product business, my education business. So I wanted something that I can build up over time that builds equity and maybe I can sell it in the future. So um, that's kind of like what's on my mind right now. Like what can I build up as a product business that I can eventually exit and sell and make a decent amount of cash from. So that's what I'm working on right now. I don't know if that's going to be the five to 10 year plan, but that's the thing that's missing from my different businesses right now is they're all cash flow based, meaning if I get knocked out for health reasons or whatever and I stop working, I'm going to stop making money. So I need something that is going to grow even without me and I can eventually sell. So that's kind of like my end goal right now, nice. at least for the next year. Nice, nice. And so <laughs> I, I saw one of your shorts on YouTube, the the one about goals, right? Kind of a good transition from this question from like long-term goals. So do you set those short-term goals? And the reason I'm asking and that stuck out to me is because I've been on a goals kick recently. Like that's part of like I'm writing about it right now. And it's really interesting to me because I've fallen off track uh, a good amount. Like I feel like it's very easy to not set goals. It's extremely easy to not set goals, right? So are goals important to you at this point or it, it long-term or short-term and do you get sidetracked? Like, do you have to catch yourself and like set a goal in order to get things moving again? I think I've gotten better at this over time. Um, I don't know if you know, Sam ovens, you know, Sam. Ovens? Oh yeah. 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 So he has this thing called the warm app calendar. And I used to use this pretty religiously for a couple years or so. It's like a free resource that he shares online. Mm. And it's basically just a Google Sheet tool where every day you plot your different tasks that you're going to do every day. And I use that 
to, to build my agency. I use that to launch my digital products. I have fallen off track with that recently, like in the last few months. Um, and I think it goes back to what you said. You have all these different ideas. You don't know exactly where you want to go yet. Now that I'm starting to build this SaaS again, now I'm thinking maybe I should start plotting my goals and actions onto that warm app calendar again. So uh, yeah, I get sidetracked all the time. Uh, it happens usually when I don't really have clarity on what I'm trying to build or what I'm trying to do. So usually when I get that kick of motivation or I get this idea that I really want to put some time and effort and money into, I get more motivated to put that goal onto the warm up calendar and then plot the daily actions there. But if I don't really have something to work on, like a big project, then I usually get sidetracked there. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not super strict on it all the time, but if there's something that I'm really trying to achieve, I'll have like a, a bigger goal on paper and then I'll break that down into the daily actions needed into that warm up calendar. That's the way I do it. Nice. Yeah, I, I'm, I've been researching this a lot recently just because we're creating, Joey and I are creating the the Power Planner 2.0. And we're trying to make it like very, I don't know if you'd say science-backed, but like extremely useful. Like something that actually gets results. That's the best way to do it. Because with other planners that we've used, and I'm sure you've used planners, like it's, and as you said, with the warm-up calendar, it's, it's easy to fall off. Like what what can we do to ingrain this habit of goal setting and uh, task setting and all that other stuff that goes into uh, the hierarchy of clarity, I guess you could say. I think it's necessary and it's extremely powerful, man. Like, have you read the book, The Art of Impossible, or heard of it, The Art of Impossible by Stephen Kotler? I have not, no. It's really good. It's not about goal setting. It's about flow. And Joey, <laughs> Joey has found like holes in his argument, but overall it's really interesting where, uh, like it starts off with curiosities and we can dive into this. This was something I wanted to talk about with you, but like pursuing curiosities, being curious, researching things on YouTube, reading books about stuff, getting those ideas flowing, right? That's the start of everything, especially like online business, but even jobs. Like when I was dead set on not getting a nine to five, I was constantly researching things that I could do to either get something without a degree or do something online. I fell, uh, I came across coding, seemed like a good move, studied it for like hours upon hours a day. Right. And that's the, that's the first thing. So next is like, after the curiosities, it's, developing passion through actually pursuing them and starting to build stuff and then attaching purpose to that. My purpose was to avoid getting a job or at least to have a fallback of a job I could get without a degree. And then after that, it's autonomy. So being able to do that when you want. And for me, I was in college at the time. So it, I, I had a lot of time. I could make my own schedule in a sense. And then after that, it's the challenge. And this is the main thing that I was curious about with goals because he doesn't mention goals too much, or maybe I just haven't read the entirety of the book and maybe he talks about goals later, but the goals being challenging, right? The, the goals first aligning with your interests and you building something, creating something that has some form of purpose in your life. And then the goal being challenging is kind of what kicks you into flow right? That challenge when you're actually working on it. Like I'm sure you've experienced this where you're writing or you're creating a product and it gets a bit challenging, but that's just like fuel. Like you're ready to go. You start researching and you, how can I build this out in a way that makes sense? How can I word this or write this YouTube script in a way that makes it easy for me to articulate the ideas I'm trying to put across. And so that was really interesting to me because it resonated so much, right? It just made sense at that point. So my question for you relating to that and what I've talked to a few people about is I don't like calling it shiny object syndrome, but your the things you did before leading up to this email marketing, digital products, things like that. Did you try a bunch of different things out for like a month or so at a time and then just stop and go to another thing that was kind of created from that? It's like I started with coding and then it's like, oh, 
These people don't care if I code. I'm going to learn a no-code platform and then build websites for people, right? Did you have that map, <laughs> that that constant trial and error? Man, I've, <laughs> I've pretty much tried every business model out there. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, when I first got started, the first thing I did was SEO and doing it for clients. Um, I got two clients didn't know what I was doing, lost them in a few months because I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I, tried, I bought courses in affiliate marketing, Amazon FBA. I, I've actually done those things too. So I actually bought, do you know what Yeti is, the brand Yeti and the yeah. tumblers they have? Yeah. So I created a knockoff of that and a lot of people <laughs> have it. I sold it on Amazon, sold about 5,000 units of that, went through the whole private labeling uh, process. Then from there, I went into drop shipping, which was my first big success online and that allowed me to quit my job. And then from there, I thought I could do everything at once. So I try to create my own brand of supplements. I've talked about this on my YouTube channel, which lost me a lot of money. I created my own publishing site called Scrap City. Uh, I'm really into like watching mixed martial arts and um, doing mixed martial arts. So I created this publishing site, this media site called Scrap City and got slapped by the UFC for uh, copyright infringement using their content. So. Uh, I've tried so many different things and eventually went into services and consulting and digital products and email marketing. So I've tried everything. Yeah, I'm insanely curious. I have a really bad case of shiny object syndrome. I would say even today, I still have that. Like right now, I'm getting into SaaS, right? And I knew nothing about that before. And, and to your point about being motivated by goals that are challenging and big, like I, I agree with that completely. If the goal or the project isn't challenging, I usually get bored of it pretty quickly and look for another thing that will make me excited and will be challenging to me and be worth it to work on. So um, I agree with you there. I've been, I've had my hand in every bucket, so I know exactly the feeling you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun too, man. It's really fun because like the, as you said, like setting a goal that is challenging, ditching ones that aren't really challenging, it, it gives you... I've, I've experienced this very much so lately because I'm trying to, I'm attempting to write a book and it's actually coming out good. I'm very excited and pretty proud for like of myself for the, like truly proud for the first time in a while. And it just, it just gets you up in the morning, man. It's, it's so cool to like, I have something to work on. I need energy to do this. I'm going to follow through with my routines. Like I'm going to, cook my food, other things fall into place. Once you have this big goal that is challenging and that you're just ready to work on and put out into the world. But I want to, I want to talk about drop shipping because I did that for a bit. I did it twice. I did. And I, I sold one thing. So I did, uh, rave clothes because I was like going to a lot of raves and I'm like, Oh, women will buy this immediately. It was like a, a women's rave clothes brand. So like diamond encrusted bras and all other stuff that like, I just kind of copy and pasted from one of the big websites, found them on AliExpress, hooked it into Shopify with Overlow, made it look good. And I sold one and I had, dude, I had, this was my first dabble in Facebook ads as well. I ran Facebook ads. They were the crappiest Facebook ads in the world. It was like a picture of uh, my girlfriend at the time, like wearing the clothes and then just like one line of copy, nothing. And that resulted in one sale. So that was awesome. But I eventually just gave it up. I'm like, this isn't going to work. I felt bad because it was like the 30 day shipping times to just send one $30 piece of clothing to this person that purchased from me. So I'm like, this isn't going to work. Like, and then I got sidetracked from something else and I was like, I'm going to build a real brand. And so I went through the whole Alibaba process and got some blue light glasses and they actually looked really good. They were really good. And I tried doing like Instagram influencer promotions with those. And I thought I had a hedgehog at the time. So I had a hedgehog and I'm like, this will catch people's attention. And I had the, my hedgehog on the table with the blue light glasses next to him. And that's it. And I paid a meme account of all things. I paid a meme account with a bunch of gamers that don't really care 
to post that picture of my hedgehog with the blue light glasses and ask people to buy it. And I just got like shit on in the comments. Like everyone, <laughs> everyone was posting like clown emojis. We're like, you're a clown. This is an ad. Like, why would I do this when I can just do the orange, uh, like light dimmer on my phone? It was a bad time, man. That got me out of e-com, but I'm getting back into it now with the planners. But what was your drop tripping story? Because I'm curious, since you said it was like your first big success, I'm curious as to how you went about that, what you sold, what you did. Yeah, so I had three of them and collectively they were doing pretty good. But the main one that I had was uh, we were selling steampunk goods. You know what steampunk is? I think so. Have you watched the movie Mad Max or like yes. have you gone to like Coachella and seen like those goggles that people wear yeah. and like or sets With the and spikes? All yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so Coachella I can guarantee you like most of the people wearing the glasses there, like the round John Lennon style glasses were from my store. Uh, I had probably the, one of the biggest steampunk stores online at one point. Um, and I knew nothing about steampunk. So all my stores were fashion related. One was steampunk. The other was gothic related. The other was um, anime. And the steampunk one was was building this brand. So I didn't know anything about it before, but it has like a cult-like following and um, I was able to build like a Facebook page following and a Facebook group out of it. And I was able to find a supplier in China to supply me directly steampunk goods and sold a lot of sunglasses and watches and corsets. Um, and that was my first big store, big online thing that, that that's what allowed me to quit my job in 2016. So uh, September 16th, 2016 was my last day at work and started running those stores full time. Sold those stores in 2018, but those were uh, those were my first things that I was selling online. And from there, I tried to create my own brand, very similar to you, which didn't work out, and eventually went into the services side. But the ecom stuff that was that was fun while it lasted. Those were uh, what was it 2015 or so. You could put up any ad you wanted and just <laughs> well, you didn't have to have good copy. That was like the golden age of Facebook ads, where you could put anything up, just target the right interests and you would sell all the products that you want. So, um, yeah, I think your ad could have probably used some work. Did you actually have a pet <laughs> hedgehog? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I had a pet hedgehog. His name was Momo. He, it was like, uh, it was like black and white specked Momo from the Avatar. If you've Avatar Last Airbender, if you've ever seen it, kind of like the same pattern of the lemur. And hedgehogs are cool, but and and they're somewhat low maintenance but it's just weird having a hedgehog i don't know it, it's like it's not like a dog where there's some form of like conscious feedback there yeah it's just it's just like the hedgehog you take it out and it's like immediately i want to find a dark place and go to bed and it's like okay good pet. you're the only guy i know that has a hedgehog or that had a hedgehog so that's yeah that's unique. <laughs> it, it was cool yeah i don't he got sick and passed to the other side but it, it was cool while it lasted like it was unique and it was like fun to take him outside and just watch him run around but yeah i wouldn't advise getting a hedgehog they're 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 cool to look at and like go see but that's it <laughs> but on the other side of things so you said i'm assuming what you said after you did drop shipping you lost a lot of money is that the like you losing 100k that that thumbnail from your youtube video yeah how did that go what, what was that so that was a supplement brand um oh. once you have any kind of and this is a good thing that it probably happened to me earlier on earlier on in my career but um when you have something like that where you're making a lot of money that you've never made before you think that you can do all these different things at once <laughs> So I thought that I could build this brand. I thought I could create this publishing site all at the same time I was building these things. And uh, I didn't know the supplement business and how difficult it was. There's FDA regulations and things that you can't say in your copy and you have to get certain ingredients approved. And there's all these things with the supplement business with Facebook ads as well. You don't get approved for saying certain things in your ads. Um, and I bought a lot of custom inventory on that and lost a lot of money on just running ads at a loss. I joined all these very expensive masterminds and coaching programs around starting that business that didn't end up working out. And just overall lost above six figures trying to run and start that business. So that was right after I quit my job, probably early 
um, 2017 or so when I was trying to start that up and creating my own brand just didn't work out and lost a lot of money in the process. But I'm happy it happened during that time. So now I don't make any of those mistakes, but now I know I need to focus more on building one thing up at a time first and then, you know, moving on to the next once that's going. Mm. What, what kind of supplements? They're nootropics or the oh. main supplement was a nootropic. And I just didn't know who I was going to sell it to. I thought it was a cool product. So I bought 5,000 bottles of a custom supplement, didn't know how to sell it and didn't know all the restrictions around selling supplements online. So I just didn't understand the business and I, I spent way too much money and time on it when I didn't really learn enough about it as I should have. Yeah. Well, that's good to know because, yeah. uh, Joey and I, like one of our shiny object syndrome for the future was to create some form of a supplement that like we talk about a lot. We talk about the whole like magnesium L3 and eight plus L theanine plus ashwagandha. And we wanted to create some form of like, have you seen mud water? I haven't. No, the ads for mud water. It's like an adaptogenic mushroom drink and they, their angle is that they help you get rid of coffee. Do you still hear? I okay. have, is it for, <laughs> I've seen one called four sigmatic or it's like mine's mm. main coffee or something a, a couple of years ago. Is that, is it similar to that? It's similar to that, but it's not coffee. So it's just like a powder that you put into water and mix it up with their milk frother that they brand as a mud whip. And it's really good branding. It got me and I like the product and that's what sparked the idea is like we can create something because I also like coffee. I really like coffee. And so both Joey and I do, but we know that it's better with the L-theanine, magnesium, ashwagandha, it helps balance it out. And so we wanted to create some form of like a creamer or a Tide Pod or even just a powder that you put in your coffee and it makes it taste a bit better, have a unique taste that gets people talking. And so all in all, it's just good to know that we should probably learn about that business model before we start diving too deep into it. Yeah, I think so. If I were to start e-com again, I'm not saying that it, it doesn't work, but starting your own brand, I think if you have your own personal brand and just an audience of people to sell to, I, I totally think it makes sense. So you have that, you have a pretty big personal brand that aligns well with that type of product, I think you'd have a lot more success than me with launching a product that I have no audience in, no knowledge in, just no idea of how the business model works. I think with your audience that you'd have a, a much better chance at making that work and making it profitable a lot quicker. Mm. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Like, I feel like it'd be very hard to start from the ground up. Ground up. It's like, it's like Jack Butcher said, and I really like this because I'm also starting to move away I, like I have the direct response marketing knowledge like I've learned about a lot of this stuff and I feel like some of it's second nature now but I really like when Jack Butcher said um, build distribution and then build anything you want yep. so it like because once you get big enough like I I'm not too set on the money right now like I don't really have like huge, huge, huge income goals. It's kind of like, I just want to build what I want and sell and make a decent living, which is probably more than I'd make at a job and have fun while doing it. That's, that's my philosophy, but, and I know I won't be able to sell my personal brand ever. So that's another thing is like, if I can build a brand and like fuel it through my personal brand and just try to grow it that way and get some buzz going about it and try to take a lot of the like not have it solely fueled by my personal brand, then I feel like it makes sense, but it'd be a fun project either way. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, man, guys like I, Becker, like Alex Becker is a great example of just what do he start his brand around is just SEO and making money online. Now he sells all types of different things. I know at one point he had a supplement company, then he sold software, then he sold courses and programs and consulting and um, now he has Hyros. So yeah. yeah, I like that. What did you say? Distribution and then build the product or what's the uh, line there? Build build distribution and then build anything you want. I like that. I love that. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I like it a lot too. <laughs> so speaking of distribution, building an audience. Where mm -hmm. did you start on YouTube? 
Is that like your so main I, thing? I started on on Facebook actually. I had a Facebook group that I was building up, and it was kind of at the same time, I guess. I started filming YouTube videos as well, and I look at them as as having different purposes, but they stack on one another. So the Facebook group, it's it's a bit tough to grow it organically unless you're just spamming people with friend requests and like inviting them to the group. So I look at YouTube as the discovery platform. I can make a video and like a great example of this is my Twitter marketing video. I posted it, I don't know, six months ago or so. Didn't do anything for about three months. And now it has like 65,000 views. Just I saw it, yeah. Um, and just grows over time. And more people are discovering my, my content, my Twitter, my Facebook group every day just from that platform. So I look at the different platforms as they have different purposes. Like Twitter is great for building relationships and connecting with people. The Facebook group is just a great place to keep everyone who wants to follow along with your content and see the different things that you're working on in one place, have a community. And YouTube is, a, is probably the best discovery platform there is. I can make a video. It's like planting a seed and it grows over time. And I don't have to do anything else. Mm-hmm. So I started with the Facebook group. I had a place to keep everybody in a community but I used YouTube as a way to get more people into that community. If that makes nice. sense. Yeah. I did the I did the same thing for a while, but it was with Twitter. Like I went the Facebook group route um, just to get people into. Like it was the first thing I promoted on my email list, like join this Facebook group, you know, funnel people down a bit and post uh, like more targeted value, yep. if you would call it that. But it, for YouTube, I'm like slowly 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 growing on there just because i'm like cross posting the podcast i'll make a video occasionally and there's no structure to it there's no structure or content strategy what how did you start off on youtube like was there i I feel like there's something you like you have to create a specific type of content when you're starting out that will help you grow like there's seeds that will grow faster than other seeds like did you have a strategy behind that when you first started out yeah i i think it was a bit of luck and timing Mm. so the way that i had built my outbound prospecting and legion agency was i was using software and vas to help me with running the business so i was barely doing any of the the service myself and there was this term floating around on YouTube that was getting a ton of traffic and a ton of keyword search volume. And it was this term called drop servicing, probably because oh. it was coming to drop shipping. So I was like, hmm, this sounds very similar to what I do. I started doing some research and I just made a video about drop servicing since it's basically what I was doing. And that took off. That was my first video and it just started growing my other videos. And I was making more videos around LinkedIn and cold email and the different things that I was doing with the agency. And just finding these hot topics with a lot of search volume and not a lot of videos being consistently posted there and just started finding these keyword topics and posting around that. So I think in the beginning, when you're looking for your first 1,000 to 10,000 subscribers, it's more important to find those like trending keywords. And now my strategy is more building a relationship with the people who are subscribed and going into more general topics I could probably still go into those specific keyword topics, but it's becoming harder and harder for me to find those. So I found just tying in like personal story and personal experience with uh, layered on with like a keyword uh, is doing pretty well. So Twitter marketing, like that's a recent one. I saw that coming up as well. So I created a video around that. That took off when I had, I don't know, a thousand or so followers. And now I know to create more Twitter videos. So it's just spotting these keywords that overlap with your experience. And if you can add some personal stories to that or personal experience, that does even better. Um, nice. That's, I don't, I'm not like a YouTube expert. I just, that's what I've done and what's worked for me, just finding those keywords. And now I, I've made more videos around the, the story-based and experience-based videos. Nice. I like that. I feel like that's a big thing. That's missing in some cases. We could get into the whole like platitude account argument, but like the authenticity side of things is an absolute must. Like it's it's a must. I feel like that alone, just even like posting a picture of what you're just doing or telling a story and then tying in your platitude or something of that sort where you're showing people that you're a human. Yeah. And 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 that would help with sales too. We could and then there's like the actionable content which would help with that. But I think authenticity, like it's, 
it's a must. It's an absolute must. Like I'll, I'll catch myself not doing that for a good amount of time. And it's like, okay, I have to post a picture of myself at the gym <laughs> or like of me doing some pull-ups or, uh, if a story comes to me when I'm like out and about and I write it down, make note of it, it's a must. So for Twitter, you mentioned purposes of platforms and that that's for more so connections and doing everything else. What, what's, what's the value and see you see in Twitter, like on top of that. So t- I like Twitter just because it's the easiest platform, at least from my experience, to capture your ideas and publish those out there and just test different ideas and test different things that you're thinking about, whether it's things that you're working on or just things that are in your head that you want to see and get feedback on. So I haven't found any platform that's easier to, to do that and get a decent amount of reach on. And that's short form content. You know that everyone is condensing their best ideas onto the platform. So I'm able to force myself to put my best ideas there and I'm able to connect with people like you just through other people who resonate with those ideas. And pl- platforms like YouTube or Facebook, I don't see it having that level of connection where you can post ideas that quickly. Like YouTube, I spend, I don't know, 10 hours a week just filming and editing videos. And then I have comments from all types of people, but you don't have that same connection as on Twitter. Facebook is a different conversation. I could probably s- start posting on my personal timeline there a little more. But Twitter, like the people there are, from from my experience, uh, are ahead of the game. Like they're three steps ahead of people who are on LinkedIn or Facebook, and they're always sharing like really good ideas there. So it's a great place to build connections. It's a great place to stay ahead of the curve and see what ideas are coming down and what like NFTs were on Twitter, I don't know, three or four weeks before we even touched Facebook. So I feel like being on Twitter gives you an advantage in terms of things that are coming that aren't mainstream yet. You get a really you get really good intel from Twitter, and you also connect with the right people in those in the, in those places. Yeah, that I've noticed that a lot too. <laughs> I'm I'm bad at like <laughs> catching on to the trends early. I wish I was good at that. Like the NFTs, I know there was a lot of money to be made, but I don't know. I just didn't pay attention to it. I feel like there's benefit in that too. But <laughs> it's either way, it's it's a great platform, man. And you. I know you have like four or 5,000 followers, but I feel like you have like, you have more perspective than I do for how a beginner can grow because I've kind of lost touch with it now. Like I have a product on it that I refer people to, but when people ask me questions, it's like, Oh, I do this, this and that, but it doesn't really have anything to do with what I did when I was growing as a beginner. So like when you first started out from zero to 5,000 followers. What, what's, what was your strategy there? Was it just connections? So there were a few things that I did. I think the most important one was just getting in the habit of, of tweeting every day and having back to our conversation earlier, just having substance and experience to talk about. So I joined this program. I don't know if you've heard of it called ship 30 for 30. Yeah. And it's basically every for 30 days, every day you post this atomic essay, which is like a 250 word article on Twitter and you have a few hundred people in the, in the group with you who are engaging with your essays, you're engaging back and you're slowly building up engagement that way. So that got me into the habit of writing every day on Twitter. It also got me my first, I want to say two, 300 or so followers. And from there I used threads, which are basically like rehashed versions of my YouTube videos. And I would just break Mm -hmm. it down into text form. So I was just putting my YouTube videos, my best performing ones into text form, turning those into threads and threads helped me to grow the fastest from three, 400 followers to 2000, 3000 followers. I don't do them as often now just because there's only so many threads that I can write before I'm saying the same thing over and over again. But I think the most important thing for building an audience is that you're, you're working on something cool and interesting that other people want to learn more about, or you have the experience and the substance from already doing that. I see people trying to, you know, create those platitude accounts where they're just copying and pasting quotes and back to your conversation about authenticity and having something to talk about. You can't just copy and post platitudes and quotes, at least in my opinion, if you want to grow from scratch, 
right now on Twitter. You have to have something behind what you're doing, whether it's experience or building in public, which people always talk about. Those things are what's going to help you grow on that platform, at least right now. And I think a beginner, someone who's starting from scratch, if you don't have the experience and substance, pick a project on something to work on, whether it's building an agency or getting freelancing clients. I see those all the time, sending cold emails and getting clients. You can build a building in public Twitter account just documenting your journey there. I think that's a great way to grow. Get your first thousand to two thousand or so followers. Nice. I really like that. I like the way you put it, like because we hear build in public all the time. We hear build in public all the time and it, it doesn't really make sense it doesn't make sense to me. Like to some people it does. But I like what you put there because we talked about the whole curiosity thing and goals thing and just actually pursuing something. Yeah. And like the the way that I like to think of it come to think of it is like being a leader right like you <laughs> like people gain followers because they are a leader so being a leader doing something worth doing sharing whatever you can about it teaching the people that are one step below you or just showing what you're doing or what you're testing what you're implementing and then even then you get direct feedback from all the killers on twitter that like are just there to help right yeah. So it's, it's, yeah, definitely a good place to be. I'm very glad I started on Twitter because that was my first platform. And now it's like I'm branching in other platforms and the cross pollination and cross followers is happening. And it's, it's sweet, man. It's and a lot easier too. It's so much that. easier. <laughs> yeah. When did it's you start the, Twitter? Uh, November, 2019. Okay. So a year years. and a half. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was fun. But one thing, what was I going to say? I kind of lost my train of thought. But uh, aside from the point, let, let's talk about email marketing because that's something I'm fucking terrible at. I'm so bad at email marketing. Well, uh, like I think my, my sequences, the ones where I just built them out and they're running are good. But my newsletter is lacking. I'm bad with consistency in my newsletter. How, how, do, how do you start there? Like in terms of, newsletters where you actually have to do the work and like send it out on a consistent basis. Yeah. So I think of this a little differently uh, and my views on this have changed over time, but like the way that I think about it right now, my email is just my email list is a distribution channel for all of my other content that I create. Mm. So, and all the other things that I'm doing in real life. So Three days out of the week, I'll write something, an, an email just based off of like what's happening in my life or a story of something that happened. Two days out of the week, I'm just linking people to a YouTube video that I created. And one day out of the week, I'm creating a weekly roundup. It's called Friday Fire, and it's just like a roundup of all the different content that I posted on, on Twitter and YouTube and in my Facebook group over the past week. So I look at it more like just getting more out of every piece of content I create now. And then a few days out of the week is just me sharing my thoughts and ideas. And usually what happens is the emails that I'm writing, it's, it's either from a tweet that went not viral, but did pretty well. And people are resonating with that idea. I'll test it on my email list and vice versa. And I just reuse the different ideas and content that I have across different channels that are doing well. And I post that to my email list. And I also just share my personal stories there. So, I mean, you're already creating content. You're just, you're going to the gym, you're doing cool things in, in real life, you're freelancing and creating products. The easiest way to start with email is just, you're already creating content on Twitter. You can just repurpose that or just expand upon the ideas that you're sharing there. That's what I do with my email. Um, so I don't consider myself like, you know, the top copywriter in the world or top email marketer. I'm literally just documenting what I'm doing and also repurposing the content that I'm already creating. That's kind of the way that I think about my email list right now. Nice. How long are your emails? I'm sure it doesn't really matter, but like, it, it, yeah. I feel like you're putting out a lot. How, how long are they? Or how much time are you spending on? Not very much. So it takes me about 15 to 20 minutes to write an email. Um, I will usually write it the night, the evening before or the morning of if something happened the night before I couldn't do it. But it takes about 15 to 20 minutes, and I send it out usually around noon every day. And the emails are in between 200, 500 words. And I use this, this uh, free website called wordcounter.net, and I just type up my emails in there, and it just tells me like the word count. 
And I also use this other app called Hemingway. Uh, I don't always use it now, but you plug your, your writing into there. It grades it on like a elementary school grade. And I'm usually within like a third to fifth grade level. So that means it's easy to read. I keep it pretty short and to the point and it takes me about 15 to 20 minutes every day. So it's not like a huge time suck, but it's one of the best ways that I've found to grow my business, get more views out of my content and also build long-term followers and ultimately customers and clients. That's but, smart. Yeah, it doesn't need to take too long. I think the main thing for me and like my philosophy around a lot of things is just consistency, right? Just being in front of people's face and top of mind as much as possible and just sending out an email every day. Not everyone's going to read it, but if you're consistent with it, you know, they're going to see it over time and eventually start to get closer and closer to you. Nice. I know I need to get on that. <laughs> that makes it seem a lot simpler. I was overcomplicating it in my head. I should listen yeah. to my own tweet that I put out yesterday about overcomplicating things. But that that brings me to the question, because this is another possibly limiting belief I have, is I have these sequences running, right? And I'm plugging lead magnets instead of like a newsletter opt-in. So people download my lead magnet. They get put into a, they get a welcome email. Uh, next few emails are about my story, then some value. Uh, then after that, it's a sales sequence for my community. And after that, it's, um, like a higher, higher ticket appointment sequence. Uh, and so my problem there is if I start writing daily emails and they're getting these other emails, which go out about every two days, is there a problem there? So I just recently did this too. Uh, I used to just let everybody go through the sequence and get all of my emails. Now I just make it where anyone who's going through an active sequence, and mine are usually around five to 10 days or so, depending on the sequence, they're not getting my daily emails during that time. So that they're not getting hammered with like three or four emails a day. After they go through the sequence, they're tagged with finished sequence, they get put onto my name list. And then from there, they get to see my daily emails. So that's the way I do it now is just as they're going through the sequences, having them tagged so that they don't get any other emails from my daily email list. And once they go through and finish that, then they start to see it on a regular basis. Mm. Cool. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> pretty, pretty simple. Yeah. Simple. Doesn't need to be overcomplicated like I was. But <laughs> like it, so it seemed like you were busy, but the the – the emails that takes a lot less time than I imagined, but I'm still curious, like what, what does your daily schedule look like? Because you have a lot going on. You have YouTube, you have Twitter, you have emails, you have your consulting business, you have, maybe you're creating a digital product. What does, what does your day look like? What does the day in the life of Sean Anthony look like? So <laughs> I found it best to try and theme out my days as much as possible. So that I'm not working on multiple, I don't have to shift gears and work on multiple different things every day. So for example, like Friday is my YouTube filming and editing and scheduling day. So I do everything related to YouTube for the following week on Fridays. So I'll film two videos usually. I'll create the, the thumbnails for that. I'll schedule it out and put all the keywords and crap in. And I don't know, that takes maybe five to seven hours or so. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'm usually doing any type of hardcore creative work. So if I have to write like a sales page or something long form for a client, or if I have to do something that really requires my attention and brain power and the creative side of my brain, that's what Tuesday and Thursday is for. Mondays and Wednesdays are usually pretty open. I'm either creating content for Twitter, I'm thinking of new ideas or trying new things. And in the afternoons, I take any, if I need any sales calls, I'll take them. I've been trying to reduce that as much as possible. But Monday and Wednesdays are for sales calls or client calls. Um, so that's, I think that theming out my days as much as possible and keeping all the tasks as similar to each other as possible on that day has helped a lot. Uh, I'm usually working between five to seven hours a day, um, sometimes less than that, depending on the day. And it's because I'm able to keep it focused on whatever the day is, what I'm working on. So that's the way I do it. I don't know if it's going to be best for everyone, but every day has like a different theme to it. Yeah. I tried that for a bit. It went okay. I, I, I just felt like I was uh, like taking too much time or letting too much time go between certain things and like what I wanted to work on. I feel like was interfering, interfering with what I was working on. 
So mine, mine definitely isn't optimized, but I, I kind of just like go from task to task, like finish what I have to do the next thing. If I can't finish it that day, push it to the next day, et cetera, et cetera. And then I have my schedule for like the podcast. So I know that's like, those are blocked off. Don't schedule anything around those get shit done in the morning. Um, but for, for our last topic of conversation, because I feel like, like the whole email talk, that's, that's only relevant to people that like have an email list. I want to talk about your advice for beginners, because on Twitter, you fucking see this everywhere where it's learn a skill, sell a skill or something of that nature, right? What is your process? Because we also talked about the shiny object syndrome and I feel like the advice is very like torn here. Like I, I encourage people to just go fucking try shit and see what works. But if someone's just starting out, just starting out in wanting to make money online, as much as I hate that term, <laughs> just it's been overblown, man. I don't like it. But it, how, how do people make money online? If they just want to start, what's a very good route to go? So I think that the best way to start is always going to be with the service, trading your time for money to start because it doesn't take much money, if at all, to learn a skill. You can watch YouTube videos. You can read a few books. You can go on Google and find everything you need to know about offering a specific type of service. And then from there, you just learn how to send a cold email and reach out to people and maybe go on some job boards like Upwork and you're going to find paying gigs and you can do it within a couple weeks if you're really motivated and dedicated. So I think the best way to start making money online, as you know, cheesy as that sounds, is just to, like you said, learn a skill and offer it as a service. Uh, there's always going to be people who are hiring, especially for money-making related skills. So that's why I like email, because you can go into a business and start making the money immediately from just learning that skill. And you don't have to be the best in the world at it. So yeah. I would say my little twist on that is to learn a money-making skill, something that's tied to, directly to revenue and sales, and then going out and offering that as a service to business. I think that's the perfect way to start. And from there, as you get more clients, you get case studies, you get results, you're gonna to continue to learn. You can use that experience to build an audience and start to build your email list and sell your own products. That's the way that I've done it. And that's the way that I'd recommend most people do it is to learn a money-making skill, get paid to do it for businesses, and then use the experience that you have there to create an email list, an audience, and sell your own products. That's Beautiful. my blueprint. <laughs> yeah, I, I would completely agree. But I, I had one question and I actually wrote this one down too, because I hear this a lot or I see this a lot. Um, for those that want to get into email marketing, mm -hmm. what is your, how would you handle this objection of the beginner? I don't have the money to invest in an email marketing software to practice. Like how do people learn hands-on how to do how to build out the sequences the flows uh how to send broadcasts whatever and like per specific business model too because there's a bunch of different email marketing softwares and i'm sure some are better than others for whatever business model they go into or target yeah so the technical piece it's not very hard to learn you can find tutorials on pretty much every platform out there. There's, you know, Clavio, Active Campaign, Infusionsoft, ConvertKit. Those are like some really common ones. If you go on YouTube, you'll find anything you need about just setting up a simple sequence or setting up a, a tag on something. So the basics are up there for free. Mm. I think the more important piece is learning the flow and structure of how to write a good email, which you can also find online for free. I think that's more important and that's what I practiced first and for the longest time. So I used a Google Doc. I just took out a Google Doc. I have some notebooks on my shelf here that I hand wrote emails and sales letters into. And that's also free. You can get on people's lists and just observe what they're doing. Really good email marketers and copywriters. And just basically hand copy and practice what they're doing on their own emails. Like I practiced hand copying other people's emails that were really known in the space and then started writing my own original emails. I think that's more important than learning the tech because if you don't know how to send or create a good email, then sending it out using the tech doesn't really matter, right? The tech is just a tool. So I think the more important part specifically for email is just learning how to write a good email 
And you can practice that using a Google Doc and just some physical pen and paper notepads. And then from there, the tech comes later. You can worry about that. It's, it's pretty simple to learn that from YouTube videos. Nice. So that would be my advice is learn how to write the email first and then learn about like the tech based on whatever your client is, is using once you have a client. Like that's yeah. Answered it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the like logical step to take too. I, I like that answer. So anyone wondering, that's how you do it. And my, the, the other question that stemmed from that, because I know I feel like everyone has like their favorite way of doing this, but what's your favorite way or what did you do or what do you advise people do when they don't have any results? Like how do, this is always the like question of the century is how do you land that first client? So I mean, there's a few ways you can approach this. I, w I would recommend having some sample specifically for email. If we're talking about email, having some sample emails written up and just maybe posting on your site or a link to that. You can also, if you're looking for your first client, this is something that I tell um, students in some of my programs to do, is to offer a test campaign, right? So you can write an email for them and tell them, hey, send it out to your list. You don't have to pay me anything. If this does well, then let's talk about a longer term relationship. So now you get to test what I'm doing. You don't have to lie about your, your results or your experience. Say, hey, I'm new to this. I've been learning this for a while. And I've been writing my own emails for a certain amount of time. And I want to help a business out with this. So Here's some test emails to use. I'd love if you could send this out to your list and see how they do. If it performs well, then let's talk about working together on a longer term basis. So that's usually what I tell people to do is at least have some samples up on your site or portfolio, whatever it is. And when you do start reaching out to clients, don't lie about your experience, but you can offer a test campaign. Cost nothing for them to send it out. Cost nothing for you to write it other than a bit of your time. And that's a great way to segue into your first client. If you can, if they send it out to their list and they get some results or sales off of that, they're going to be a lot more likely to want to have a second conversation with you. So that's my recommendation. Nice. I like that. The, uh, I think people call it like the permissionless apprenticeship post. Oh, well, that's a bit different. That's where you like create it for them and then you send it to them. And they're like, Hey, use this for free. If it works, whatever. Oh, that is kind of exactly what you said. But yeah, Vlad <laughs> on Twitter that just did this to me. He reached out to me on Twitter and he's killing it. He's yeah, I love he's, that guy. He just did exactly what you said. He redid my link tree without even asking. He's like, hey, I created it for you on card and just sent it over my way. Um, and I appreciated that. I was really busy when he was sending the messages over. So I didn't respond right away. But he had took take took. Oh, my goodness. Taking the time <laughs> to create like a custom page and send it over to me without any ask for payment and just said, you can use this if you want. So, um, yeah, that's exactly what you're talking about. And the test campaign is very similar to that. Nice dude. I, I, I love Vlad because I don't want to take all the credit, but he like bought my courses and I, f I think this is like a byproduct of that. So it's, it's really cool to see because he's been in my DMS too, just being like, Hey man, I like really appreciate like everything you've put out and all this stuff. It feels so good, man. I, I love seeing people do that vlad's vlad's a good dude so shout out vlad well i'll somehow let him know that we shouted yeah. him out i think he would like that but yeah but cool man that that's all i have i i think this was a great discussion man we covered a lot of bases we covered a lot of bases it'll be really helpful for anyone because that that's the other thing is we so far like what we've talked about on this podcast like thinking back to other guests it's been a lot of personal branding it's it, it hasn't really been freelancing or building an it's somewhat building an audience but there's a lot of stuff we covered here that i think will be really helpful to the listeners so i appreciate you coming on man it was great having this discussion i'm sure we'll talk more after this and on twitter and all that good stuff but thank you for coming on man um where can people find you and what products can they buy from you? I, I I remember hearing from you know David Mendez. Yes. Yep. Yeah. He he. Uh, we were we are good friends, and he like talked big about your email marketing course if you have one. So feel free to plug that because that's very in line with what we're doing. So where where can people find you? What can people buy from you? The floor is yours. Yeah. So. 
I think the best place for people to go if they want email-related stuff is to my Facebook group. So if you go to emailrainmaker.com, that'll take you to the Facebook group, and you'll see my sequences and uh, my super fast sales email challenge, which is probably what David's talking about. So that's usually what people start with is they're learning to write emails for the first time. I teach them the flow and structure of how to write an email and it's $49. So emailrainmaker.com, you'll join my group there. You'll get put on my list and then you get to see the full sequence for selling that product. And that's usually the first thing that people buy. I also have a couple eBooks that I sell, but not actively anymore. So I would say the best place is either Twitter or uh, my Facebook group is the best place to find me. Nice. Cool. And yeah, we'll have links to those in the description, but I, <laughs> it's funny. I think, uh, David told me because he like read my first email. I think this was from you. Tell me if it was, but like having an incentive to reply that may or may not have been, but like I, I asked people to reply to let oh, me yeah. know that they got the planner. Right. Mm -hmm. And just reply with got it. And yep. it works. Yep, so. that's it. <laughs> so thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah, the reply email. So I learned that from a guy named Ian Stanley. And it gets people to respond to you and engage with you. And you can start conversations with that way for your high ticket stuff as well. And it also helps to increase your, your email sender score. So it helps to increase deliverability and has a lot of benefits. So I'm glad to hear you're using that. Nice. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you, man. And thanks for the conversation, everyone. Go check out Sean. And yes, we will enjoy this beautiful Tuesday. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, Dan. And yes, we'll thank you everyone for listening. I'm so bad at outros, man, but <laughs> it works. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. My friends, thank you so much for listening to that episode of the Modern Mastery Podcast. I have a few favors to ask you. For a whopping $0, you can support this podcast by following, rating, and subscribing on whatever platform you are listening on. And for an additional $0, <laughs> you can share this podcast on your social media accounts, tag me in it, at the Dan Co, and I will share you on the community page. This truly helps the Modern Mastery community and podcast grow and allows me to bring you top-tier guests to fuel your hunger for wisdom. It costs $0, but it does cost you your time, and we understand how valuable that can be. But considering you spent an hour or so listening to this podcast, a one-minute subscribe or follow button click and social media share isn't too much to ask. And if you truly enjoyed it, um, we would hope that you do this out of the kindness of your heart, and we truly, we truly, truly, truly appreciate it. And the second favor, which costs money, is joining Modern Mastery HQ, the only platform you need to master your mind, body, and spirit while building a 5 to 10K a month online business as a creator, coach, freelancer, or entrepreneur. You can go to join.modernmastery.co to join 350 plus members and gain instant access to information that has the potential of making you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime as a business owner. With that, I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Modern Mastery Podcast, and I hope to see you in the next one. Peace.